everyone, I'm Kelsey Snow, and this is Sorry I'm Sad, a podcast about grief, loss, and the importance of hope. We're back this week with part two of a two-episode series with the Gill family. But before we get going today, a quick reminder that Sorry I'm Sad is truly a labor of love for me. From finding guests and researching topics to preparing for interviews and recording and editing all the audio myself, a great deal of time, energy, and thought go into each ad-free episode. So if you value this podcast and want to support it, please go to www.patreon.com slash Kelsey Snow, that's K-E-L-S-I-E-S-N-O-W, to become a member. Your contribution will help keep this work going, help keep it ad-free, help it grow, and give you access to the Sorry I'm Sad Patreon community. Back to today's episode. As a refresher, in 2018, Dr. Richie Gill and his wife Raman were living the life they had worked so hard for. After the grueling years of starting a family during Richie's surgical residency, the Gills were back in their hometown of Calgary, surrounded by their friends and family, and Richie was living out his dream as a successful general and bariatric surgeon. Their three children, Seva, Akash, and Arwen, were eight, six, and five years old. It was a beautiful, happy life. Then, on Valentine's Day that year, Richie suffered a devastating spinal cord injury while boogie boarding in shallow water during a family vacation in Hawaii leaving him paralyzed from the chest down and with only minimal use of his hands. In this two-part series, Raman and Richie offer their individual perspectives on Richie's accident, his injury, and how they have settled into this new life, one they didn't expect, one they of course wish was different, but one that is still so very beautiful and happy. Last week, we heard from Raman. Today, we hear from Richie. This is The Gill's Story. Okay, so you're working from home today? I am, yes. Yeah, nice. And you guys are building a house, right? We are uh, very slowly. We are, we haven't broke ground or anything yet. Oh, okay. But, it's coming, but it is coming along very, very slowly. So <laughs> technically, we still call it the same phase that we are building a house. Yeah, at but some point. Try, yeah, at some point, they will start doing that, yes. Yeah, that's nice. And you're it's only like a couple blocks from where you guys live now, right? Yeah, we, you know, we, we have we really like the neighborhood we love yeah. schools by here and even our neighbors and stuff so we wanted to stay close so yeah you know after my injury we didn't want the experience to change for the kids yeah i can relate so, to that yeah rather than going we were like initially we were like why don't should we build somewhere further out and then we can have more space and all this kind of stuff but then we just thought it'd be a totally different experience for them right so yeah we, yeah. we like being close by everything here yeah, that's really nice. We feel the same way about about the experience changing. It's a, it's even. A, I was actually when Raman and I went for a walk, we were talking about just the notion of, um, of even a different house is hard for, to even think about, right? Because you just there's so much has changed for them. You don't want to change anything else, right? Exactly. That that's kind of our thought process at that time, right? Mm-hmm. We were just like we wanted to keep it familiar as we could. Yes. So hopefully, made it more normalized for them earlier on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, well, I I think it's crazy that I haven't actually met you because I feel like we know so many of the same people. Yeah, <laughs> and it's, then it's hockey, surprisingly a small world. Yeah, it is a small. And everything else. It is, and then obviously uh, Ricky and Heather being, you know, their kids going to. I think Lincoln yeah. and Cohen have been in the same grade a couple times now, and yeah, soccer. It's, it's a, when Raman was trying to tell me from all the parts, I'm like, really? I'm like, I'm surprised we haven't actually chatted before this. And I don't. Yeah. So how many days a week do you go into work now? So I actually just go in on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays. Okay. Um, at the clinic where I'm working uh, now, um, that gives me a pretty regular schedule. And um, 
the uh, the it's a great it's a really great atmosphere and lets me kind of um, have that flexibility to do that and then it just gives me other time that I need to be able to do like rehab and other stuff mm-hmm. and that I'm not um, at the same time that I'm not completely exhausted right so yeah. I, my my ability to work is not the same as there was before and so mm-hmm. I'm just trying to manage it in a way that um, that it's reasonable and I think part of it I'm just getting older as well yeah. and so uh, I feel it a little bit more than I used to <laughs> in my youth where I just yeah. felt like I never got tired now I need that time to recover yeah. Yeah, totally. That makes, that makes sense. And then, and then COVID threw a whole other wrench in things, right? Like when COVID started, was your schedule similar to, to how it is now, or have you altered it because of what you've learned during that process? I did change it quite a bit. So my plan, I was actually went back to work at Peter Lougheed at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was helping doing like a clinic and consultations and that part. Um, and I was hoping to help with some of the inpatient care Mm-hmm. Uh, as well as part of our acute care service and then mm-hmm. but unfortunately um when COVID first came you know just to, for safety purposes and we weren't sure at that time so mm-hmm. I kind of stepped away from that um, right. and I, and uh, from the advice of some of my senior colleagues and, and um when that happened then I looked at other options and models that um that we could look at for um, being involved and mm-hmm. uh, you know one of the projects that I'd been a lot of patients that I had operated on in the past that asked me to look into was to help um, provide better long-term care model for uh, patients after like bariatric surgery. Mm-hmm. And so um, I had always kind of looked at trying to do this, but it just wasn't able to do it at that time. And mm-hmm. COVID gave us a lot of time to yeah. figure out how to do this. And I had a lot of really good people uh, and colleagues that helped me uh, figure it out. And, mm-hmm. you know, we started off just doing it as like, you know, me and one person in a different someone else's clinic. Mm-hmm. And, um, and eventually it's grown to our own space and clinic now and, um, uh, and up to working three days a week there. Yeah. And it's the Calgary obesity center. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. yeah the Alberta obesity center. Oh, Alberta. Yeah, that, yeah. That's what we've been, we call it now. Yeah. And so that all just came about just because of what COVID kind of introduced. COVID kind of, yeah. COVID kind of introduced and what, um, I guess in sense of, um, what patients had kind of asked and the mm-hmm. feedback we got from them. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the, it was, it's just like anything else, I guess, right. They keep kind of think of an idea in your head and we were like, okay, this is what it'll look like. And then that changes so much, the mm-hmm. more you learn. And this was a different venture for me as well, being you know, I've, uh, my, my goal or my was always to be a surgeon. And yeah. I, you know, for the longest time, um, that, that's all I was driven to do. And then, getting to come back to Calgary and work at the Peter Lahi mm-hmm. was, and the South hospital was amazing and I had great colleagues. And so I never really thought about this entity being outside of, um, doing what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And then obviously when I, after my injury and then trying to figure out what I wanted to do for work and what would be a good fit. Mm-hmm. Um, this just kind of, it's just kind of came to be slowly and really like organically. Yeah. It was like, you know, I learned a little bit more. I got really good advice from a lot of colleagues and people that were involved in this field and um and they really helped me do that. So it wasn't I really didn't do it on my own. It was I got I had a lot of help. Mm-hmm. What were the sort of stages for you in your professional evolution after you were injured? Like when I don't know how long it was before you could even really consider going back to work, but you know, when was that and then how did how did things kind of evolve for you as far as like what obviously you had to pivot. <laughs> Yeah, no, hundred percent. You're you're totally right about that. So my, my you know, my injury was almost four years ago. Now. Yeah. My, I think my injury anniversary, as we call it, 
is yes. coming up next next week and Valentine's um, Day, right? Such a lovely Valentine's is. Day you guys had. I, I know. <laughs> our, our youngest daughter really jokes around the most, and she's like, "I hate Valentine's." Day. I'm like, "Gosh, you don't need to hate it. It's actually <laughs> something we should celebrate together." So we really worked hard to change that yeah. narrative for her, mm-hmm. even though she was very angry at Cupid, but it was not Cupid's fault. <laughs> and so, uh, <laughs> so, um, but you know, when I when that happened, and I was recovering early on, I knew that I wanted to go back to work. It was yeah. such an important part mm-hmm. of my identity. And I would say that was a really, that was a really tough part to figure out, right? Because so yeah. much of my identity was um, engrossed in my career and my goal to become a surgeon. And all these years I had dedicated to that time, actually that me and Raman had dedicated to that. Yeah. <laughs> and so figuring out that I, I knew I wanted to come back. I just didn't know what it would look like. And I was really fortunate. I had uh, a couple of really good mentors. And, you know, one of my colleagues, he actually, um, when he, he was in his fellowship year, so he was close to finishing his training. Mm. This is back when I was at Edmonton training and he was actually diagnosed with ALS there. Mm. And he, you know, I went from seeing him when he was my like mentor when I was still a med student. Part of the reason I ended up doing surgery. And then, then when he came back, um, I saw how with the changes and everything that happened, he was no longer operating, but he yeah. actually became uh, a really great educator in Edmonton mm-hmm. and he took care of a lot of inpatients. It was, he was just an amazing man, right? Like mm-hmm. his name's Drew Sutherland and he's passed away now. Yeah. Um, but he was such an influential part. So after seeing his journey and everything he had gone through, I knew even with my injury, I'm like, look, I'm going to figure out a way yep. Drew could figure out a way. He would say to me, you got to be able to figure out a way. Right. So and then I had a couple of really good people here in Calgary that had had similar injuries and they yeah. talked to me about their journey. And so then that's where that kind of started to look, I got to figure this out. And we, man, I, I was really fortunate. I had a lot of great friends and colleagues that were like brainstorming ideas. Let's put you mm. here. Let's put you here. Let's, let's do this. And, um, and so then by about almost a year, let's say year and a half after my injury was when I finally went back. Uh, and did my first clinic at the hospital. And that was a really um, good step forward for me. It was obviously nerve wracking and I wasn't sure if it's going to be doable. And mm-hmm. you know, a lot of it is just logistics. Yeah. Like, how am I going to get there? <laughs> right. <laughs> how am I going to get home? Yeah. I know. Your what father and your father-in-law, home? right? They drive you? Yeah. They're, yeah. They were, they've been so helpful. And then I was like, you know, what if I get stuck somewhere? And so <laughs> it, it, there was just all these logistical things um, we had to figure out. But that's how it was. So I, I was, I, I knew I wanted to get back mostly for, you know, I think for my own recovery, um, I, that's something mm-hmm. I, that I valued. I didn't, I also wanted to set a good example for the kids, right? I was mm-hmm. like, if I do nothing and I just give up then I, it's going to be really hard for me to ask them to do stuff or yeah. push them. Yeah. And so you kind of, you kind of, you know, and my thing with them always was like, you work hard, you never give up. That's kind of like our family slogan. Yeah. And it's really hard to do that and say that to them if you don't try to uh, kind of yeah. try to in like try to model it for them. Yeah. Was that so, ever though really I mean I've only seen I've not, I've not talked to you. I've talked a long time to your wife. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I've seen videos of you and and you always look so positive. So was it really ever a thought for you that was like I think I would just rather give up? Was that something you ever you struggled with at any point? You, you know, it was it's gonna you know, it, I must admit like the injury it it changed things so much for me yeah. right the um the concept of a um like I'm still the same person but physically it's so different mm-hmm. and because so much of what I did 
and this is growing up playing sports and yeah. even doing surgery, so much of it is physical, right? There's still there's a technical part of it. When that went away, I wasn't sure how I would recover or what who the person would be um, at the end of it, right? Mm-hmm. And I was I was pretty um, cognizant of the fact pretty early on that, and and you know, being in medicine, I knew how severe the injury was yeah. really early on, and when everyone said, you know, you're going to walk again, I I knew these things weren't true, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of nodded my head and said, yes, but mm-hmm. I, I had a really good idea that what this is not where life was going to end up being like, but that where this is headed, right? Yeah. I knew those things are going to be gone forever. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, one of the things that one of the, like the people that said to me was, you almost got to treat it like the person that you were has died. You yeah. almost grieve the same way that that person really is gone because mm-hmm. everything that was engrossed into making that person who they were, a lot of it disappeared, right? Mm-hmm. My And everything that I could do previously where I could, and this is weird way of saying it, I could literally physically push myself through. If it was not enough sleep, I could get through that. If yeah. it was being up late at night, I could do that. If it was to, um, you know, the kids weren't, we're fooling around, put, put them up my shoulders and yeah. run them up the stairs. <laughs> yeah. No problem. And all of that was went away. And so um, it wasn't, I thought about giving up. It was just thought about, am I ever going to be able to do anything that I, that I would value as being worthwhile, right? Is right. it me? You know, I remember a long time ago when I was, a, when I was training, seeing someone and taking care of someone with um, a severe spinal cord injury, even mm-hmm. more severe than mine. And I remember thinking to myself, is it better just to be done, right? Yeah. And not go mm-hmm. forward. And um, and you know, they always say if you when you when if you die young, that you know, it's kind of like um you leave a good legacy, it's a great memory, the kids see you at that part of it, right? And I, mm-hmm. you know, you contemplate in your mind that is was that is that better, right? And you don't know at that time, right? Because you're just flooded with emotions, you're not really yeah, everything is so uncertain and um, and at the end of the day, death is really certain. Like you're yeah. done. You, there's nothing, nowhere else to go. And uh, and you know, I've taken care of people with many, many different things, and had p- patients pass away and things like that. And you look back, at, you know, I just was, I just wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if that was the better option, or is yeah. it better for me to struggle like this, where it's not, it's not the same person anymore, right? Yeah. I, I'm not. I don't know if I'm going to be able to be um a dad for them i don't know if i'm going to be able to be a good husband i don't know if i can do something which i will value moving forward all these things were unknown at that time yeah yeah how important was it for you to have that network of people who had had injuries or als things that had changed their lives like how important was it for you to see those people still finding value in this new life in order for Uh, you to see okay i can find that too yeah i think for for me and i think for my family too i think having um, in a sense, mentors, right. Or people that could really give you an idea that no life isn't over. There's a lot to be done. Mm -hmm. And you know, that it, at the end of the day, we can't predict what's going to happen to us. These things happen in in a moment, right. Mm -hmm. Or, um, changes happen so quickly, right. Like we've all, we both understand how Mm -hmm. quickly that can happen. Right. And so I think what they gave to me was a sense of empowerment to say that, um, there's, you can pivot, there's options that are going to be, yeah, and, and almost like you're going to do the best you can with what you got. I remember yeah. me saying that to patients before, <laughs> you're like, you're going to do the best you can yeah. with what we got. That's what we got to do here. And 
and then now I was saying it to myself, which is, yeah. you know, a, it's a totally different feeling. Yeah. Of, uh, and you're like, being, oh man, I wonder how that landed for them before yeah. they're like, what do you know? <laughs> I, I know exactly. Right. And, and, you know, I, I was fortunate that you were right. This network was so important. Like I had wonderful family and friends, yeah. right? Everyone, obviously Raman is amazing and she's been like the pillar of our family and has really stood by me and made everything work. Like yeah. the kids, I feel like they almost didn't notice I got hurt because Raman <laughs> was doing so much to, you know, she brought them to the hospital every day. It became oh, yeah. part of our evening. We'd have dinner together there. Like it was just be part. And then I'd put them in my, like I was, you know, wheel, a power wheelchair at that time. And the youngest one would drive her around <laughs> the hallways and stuff like that. And that's awesome. what they, you know, so um, her being there and doing all of that was amazing. And mm-hmm. then, and then the, my close friends and colleagues and family around us was really supportive and helped mm-hmm. me. And then on, then, then these, the, these individuals that had gone through similar injuries or experiences, yep. like being able to talk to them, being able to ask them, how about you do this? How about you do this? And I remember one of them, like he, he's a wonderful physician um, and his injury was a while ago. And he was like, yeah, I travel, I do this, I do this. I'm like, and at that time I was like, how do you do this? I'm like, I have no idea Yeah. after losing all of this, how you were able to do this. But it was almost like, um, it was, it, that was so motivating to yeah. have that there. And it gave me belief, right? Cause it's, you know, exactly what you said. If you have someone who's totally able-bodied is like, oh, you should be perfectly fine. You can do this. And you're like, you have no idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but this person was actually yep. almost the same injury as mine. And he was doing it. And I was like, okay, so obviously he has an idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, There's got to be a way to figure this out. Yeah. 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 Do you still find that you um, have to go through periods or have little moments where you're mourning that person from before February 14th, 2018? Oh, yeah. No, it, it happens still all the time. And it's um, not as often as I say it was at that time, but, yeah. you know, I'll catch myself, um, I, you know, it'll, it'll happen with the kids usually, right? Like they'll mm-hmm. be playing a sport and doing something and I'll be like, oh, you should do it like this way. And I think to myself, like, oh man, I really wish I could just get up and show them how you do that <laughs> properly. Yeah. And I can't, right? And the kids will be like, dad, I want you to coach us. I'm like, yeah. I, I love to be able to do that for you guys. And I can do it to a certain point, I guess, but I can't do it the way I always envisioned like coaching, right? And yeah. I used to do a lot of that when I was, you know, coaching kids or before when I was playing uh, basketball and things like that. Yeah. And so I, 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 that's when it catches me a little bit yeah. or, or when my little one gets upset with me and runs up the stairs, I can't get, I can't catch her. And so <laughs> those, those are the moments, those kind of, kind of hit me like that. Um, so yeah, once you get that elevator, <laughs> yeah, once I get the elevator I hope, and so I, I, I do, you know, you obviously, I still grieve for that person. And, um, but I'm, you know, I understand that that time in my life is gone. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm going to do the best that I can with the time that I have. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause they're, they're still young. They're developing. I still want to be in their lives and be part of it as much yeah. as I was before. Yeah. I still want, um, I still want me and Rum to be happy and be able yeah. to move forward together. And, you know, we have a lot of really great family and friends. I, I want to spend time with them and enjoy yeah. this, right? I, you value that time so much more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes in the past, you might have forgotten that now it's really in my face all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know, you have a limited amount of time. You got to really maximize mm-hmm. it. It's not about quantity. It's all about quality. Yeah. And so, but yeah, the I, I still do think about that. Like, you know, the kids recently, they were swimming. And 
you know, that's something that just, it's almost impossible for me to do. Mm. I guess I could do it, but I, I it just be really hard. Right. Yeah. And, um, and I missed that because before I used to love taking them and playing one, I actually really liked to swim. I'm not a very good swimmer, but I enjoyed playing them in the water, uh, throwing them around in the yes. water and doing all that part. Um, and then, you know, or just taking them to the courts or hitting balls yeah. with them or anything like that that that's where it gets me i miss yeah. those things that i'm not able to do and yeah. and video and video games like these guys play video games and um i used to love video games as a kid i would be so much better than them <laughs> yeah. if, I if my hands worked yeah you're like you have no idea <laughs> i could kill yeah. you in this game <laughs> I mean, yeah, so much better at fortnite than you are <laughs> i laughed when you first started recall like first started talking about this only because i recalled something that raman told me about how you will be telling her what to show them like some defensive stance or something and she can't do it. And you're like, what are you doing? And she's like, the wrong person got hurt. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I that, that, yeah, that part is always a little frustrating. It's like, <laughs> I, I'm like, I need you to model this in this way. And when she does it, I'm like, no, I don't want to, to do That's it. That's wrong. That <laughs> oh yeah. man. That's too funny. Well, yeah. like, like you said, you guys are coming up on on four years. Um, and I know a lot can, a lot can change in four years and you guys have really settled into this new normal that you have in that time. Mm -hmm. But I wonder if you can kind of go back to that day with me. Um, you know, Roman had mentioned that that trip was really the first, the first time that you guys, she felt like you guys had this glimpse of like the life you'd been working for because you guys had three kids and then you went to residency, correct? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was in residency and we had all three of them there. Yeah. Then you know, I had only finished work, sorry, finished residency recently. And I just started here in Calgary in, um, 2015. Yeah. So it wasn't, um, uh, too long that yeah. I had finished and started working. And, yeah. you know, the joke always with Raman was that we, my colleagues would always bugger and be like, um, don't worry. It's only the first 10 years that are the hardest. <laughs> and, then, and, and then, and the next colleague would be the first 15 yeah. things like that. Right. And so <laughs> Robin just was like, what? And, uh, <laughs> no, and, and, you know, the, in the trip, what the end of the day was, it was, it, you know, besides obviously my injury, yeah, the, it was, it was great. We mm -hmm. had a wonderful time. We had such lovely friends there and we, um, got to do so many fun activities with mm -hmm. the kids. And then obviously my injury that day, um, it, you know, it wasn't doing anything exciting. I was literally mm. just with my son, uh, at the beach that morning and we, I was just boogie boarding and, mm -hmm. and I just, um, and yeah, it just happened in an instant, right? Like boom. And all of a sudden the wave hit me and I can remember my, I like remember my head hitting and like the sand because it was a bit shallow. So the water wasn't very deep and all of a sudden, boom, there I am floating in the water. Right. And I was, um, I was fortunate that it didn't get a head injury because that's yeah. common too with it, but I was pretty, I was fully conscious. Like I had a, I knew where I was and I knew right away. I'm like, Oh, something's really bad happening because I can't move. And obviously I'm looking down at the sand and it's pretty clear water and you can tell it's, uh, I'm, you know, face down and I cannot, uh, move anything. And all I could think in my head was, you know, you gotta just hold your breath as long as you can because the gosh is right there at the beach. And, yeah. um, and I really didn't want him to see me pass away like that. Right. And so yeah, that's all, I, that's all I was thinking at that time. And I kind of was like, I was like, you have two choices, either just take a big gulp and you're done. Yeah. Um, and, or this is, and I, or you got to keep holding and I could feel my lungs burning quite hard. And that's all I did. Right? Just, yeah. And I was lucky enough that, um, one of this, um, it's a, like a family when the mom saw me, 
Yeah. And um, their son came over and actually got me out of the water. Mm-hmm. And so, and actually, we just recently emailed them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we finally got in touch with them and I've been wanting to, and I'm hoping we'll get a touch base a little bit more to thank them. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, because it's because of them, I was able to get out of the water, right? And, yeah. And yeah, then it then it all began. It was just, um, it, it was a lot of stuff all together jam-packed and yeah. really really intense right to get to to get help to get to the hospital and mm-hmm. um you know the and yeah it was just a lot at that time but you know I look back at it and kind of um you know it took it took me a long time as someone said it to me was that to separate the event and the, what's actually happened from the emotions of it in the beginning I couldn't talk about it yeah. it was so every time I did I break down and it was just so much. And I still remember like being in that CT scanner thinking, man, all I did was I just ruined the kid's life. I ruined Rama's life. It's, it's all my fault. And it was just, I was so angry and upset with myself mm-hmm. for letting it happen. Right. Yeah. And it took me a long time to find a place where I could forgive myself. I could say that, you know, it wasn't something that I did. Like freak accidents happen all the yeah. time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and I could, I could talk about the part of just being under the water and, you know, literally yeah. just in with my thoughts and, you know, people always talk about like how time really slows down. And it was, it was really slow. Like I had, mm. I felt like I had tons of time to think about what decision I was going to make. And, um, you know, it wasn't, I didn't see any bright lights or anything like that. It was, I was really conscious and could see everything there. Right. And yeah. I'm just thinking to my head, what, what this next few seconds, or at least at that time, I thought, whatever these few moments I have left, I got to figure out what's going to happen really quickly. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. And it was like 40 seconds or something of you holding your breath. That's what they say. Yeah. Something like that. But it was, you know, it felt like a long time. Yeah. I, was I mean, it's a, such a miracle that you didn't drown. Like, I, I mean, I think when mm-hmm. we think about your injury and, and the accident and what a freak accident was, I mean, that can be a little bit lost in, in it is just that you didn't drown is, is remarkable. Drown or even just even got swallowed a lot of water. I could have yeah. been, you know, it could have been, a, it could have any, every time anything could be any worse, but yeah. that was, that was the thought process, right? I just really didn't want to see my son yeah. that, that, that to be the last memory of it. Right. So, and I think looking back at it, um, you know, you only feel fortunate and thankful, right? Cause now my memories of, or his memories of me should be me cheering him at his games or me working with him on whatever problems in school that they're doing, or just hanging out and watching him play Fortnite and (laughs) thinking how much better I could be on him. (laughs) Stuff like that, right? Like, so it's totally different. But that was was an intense time. Yeah. But the fact that you also came out of the water conscious and you were able to talk to him, you know, the trauma that he could have undergone from watching that, you really like the choices that you made kind of just took that away from it. Right. Like, yeah, you know, I, and I knew right away when I came out of the water, I was like, look, you guys, you know, my, I think my, it's my neck I called an ambulance. And I told him my son is at the beach. His name is Akash. Go get him, go get my wife. I was, I was fully conscious. Like yeah. I knew what was going on and I kind of felt like I had to run my own trauma uh, code there. And it's kind of like, just to get, I wanted to get them, get, make sure he was safe. And then yeah. I was like, get me into the ambulance and Roman, I told Roman, I'm like, you stay here. And one of my other colleagues was there. One of my really good friends, I was like, you come with me. Cause if something happens, I want to have you there in case they have to intubate me or something on the ride over and stuff. So 
Yeah. I said that to Robin. She said, I said, you didn't get invited to ambulance. She's like, no. I said, do you think he was trying to protect you? She's like, no, I think he just wanted the best doctor. <laughs> I was like, that makes sense. Yeah. That's <laughs> like, I, want to keep the, I want the best surgeon coming with me here right away, please. <laughs> yeah. That makes totally total sense. I think that's such a, I mean, obviously it's a very unique layer for you that you are a doctor. And so you knew what was happening to your body. And, and I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that part of it was like throughout the, that first oh. little while after your injury, when, you know, people are saying things to you like, Oh, you know, it was probably just that you were in shock and maybe this will come back. And you're kind of in your head going like, I I'm pretty sure I know what happened here. Yeah. You know, as soon as I saw the CT scan and they did it and, um, as soon as they sh showed it to me, um, I knew right away how bad it was. Right. Yeah. I, I broke down pretty hard at that time. Right. I just, like I said, I just thought, I thought I ruined the kids and Raman's life and everything that I kind of had promised her and mm. the kids. And I was hoping for them. I thought it was gone that instant. And yeah. that was, that was a lot to take mm -hmm. that moment. And, um, and, you know, when I was even, and they had to do the surgery and, and I was in the ICU and while we were still in the U S um, like, you know, I, I was just, it, it was just so much that, but at the same time, you know, when you're in ICU and doing that, that's your last stop. I used to always say this to, to families, like when you're in the ICU, it is severe, right? You're mm -hmm. really sick. And sometimes people don't get the concept of how close you are, that if these machines didn't exist, you wouldn't be alive. Right. And mm -hmm. so I knew that I'm like this, I have to figure out a way to get out of ICU. Mm -hmm. so, you know, then you can talk about decisions and everything else. And so at that time, that's all my focus was small mm -hmm. goal, get out of ICU, get without any major complications or anything happening. And it, it was, you know, obviously my memory is a little bit blurred of certain times just because you're on heavy medications mm -hmm. and things like mm -hmm. that. But yeah, that's all I was thinking. And you know, the the big moment for me that I remember was when I finally got to the ICU in Calgary was when I first got to see the kids, right? Yeah. That was a lot. And I was still, you know, I was still in pretty bad shape and I, I, I couldn't, you know, I had my the, a trach, so I couldn't really talk and everything, but I just getting to see them was, um, it was really, that was really good for me. Right. Cause yeah. you know, up to that point, I was still, I was just thinking in my head, I'm like, you know, you, you know, is, is this, did I do the right thing? Yeah. Should I have not held on? Should I just, have just let it happen. And, you know, you're just not sure, right? I just, mm -hmm. so much has been happening, but seeing them um, was really, it really helped me. Yeah. I think it helped me even more than them because it made yep. me feel like, look, I think I got to figure out a way to push, pull through yeah. this. Like, don't give up, keep things going, mm -hmm. keep things going. And, you know, you know, it's going to be a long, rough journey. Mm -hmm. And um, it's almost, I don't know if you guys feel this way, but I feel like everything, since that injury, it's like two steps forward, one step back, two yeah. steps forward, one step back. There's no smooth transition no. to anything anymore yeah. in life. Mm -hmm. Everything is um, a logistical challenge and a challenge in general. Yeah, yeah we have, um, uh, there's a, there's a guy that, that Chris um, communicates with a lot. His, his name is Steve Gleason and he played for the New Orleans Saints. Yeah. He has mm -hmm. ALS. He's had ALS for like 11 years and he's been mm -hmm. traked for maybe eight or nine of those years. Oh, so he's yeah. only has use of his eyes. Um, he's an incredible guy. And there's a, a documentary on his family that was recorded sort of in the first three years of his ALS, mm -hmm. which is like when he well, lost everything. I, I have seen this. Okay. Gleason. Yes. Yeah. Gleason. Yeah. And um, he has this moment, his, his wife got pregnant like six weeks after he was diagnosed for the, with their first 
And when he, his son was born, who's 10 now, um, he, he was losing his voice a bit. Um, his speech was slurred from, you know, his tongue, um, atrophying and he's leaned over and he's looking in the bassinet at his little baby. And he said, it's not going to be easy, but it's going to be awesome. And that's like our, we have that everywhere in our house and our kids write it on things. And and that's the thing. It's not going to be easy, but it can still be awesome. Right. Yeah. No, I I remember we watched that uh, documentary together. It's, you know, and even one of my own close mentors and um, friends who went through it, like it's any illness, injury, these things in life, like you can't predict them, right. They happen Mm -hmm. so quickly, Mm -hmm. but it does, you know, it does say a lot about the people around you when it happens right because mm-hmm. you know people always joke around you know who your true friends are family are the ones that visit you and ice you <laughs> and i laugh joking back i'm like i know exactly who they are now because yeah. they all came to ice you and they hung yeah. out there all the time and sometimes mm-hmm. wouldn't let me rest and things like that right <laughs> so it it's um it makes such a difference having a good support system around mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. um even to this day yeah. and you know i was that part yeah but you're right it is it's there's total challenges that come up and um but the but it can be really great like you know we recently did a trip with the kids um and we took them to disneyland yeah and it was um it was awesome but one of the reasons are and this took so many logistics in terms of planning yeah. and organizing things and i'm sure roman told you it was like it wasn't a, it was uh it was a lot of work yeah. but um it was really awesome and that's yeah. the way i looked at it too i'm like i really if I'm going to be here, I want to make sure that I, when, by the time I leave, whenever that time comes, is that I leave them with some really great memories yeah. and we get to spend those moments together. So I'm like, we got to figure out a way to make this work. Mm-hmm. So. You did. And then everyone got COVID. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Oh, that's, that's a whole different issue. Yeah. yeah. I know. I saw Heather at school and she's like, ah, <laughs> you guys didn't though. Right. Just the kids. Yeah. It's yeah. so weird, but you know, it's so unpredictable but you are right though we were just like <laughs> goodness sakes like yeah well you threaded the needle you all got there yeah. you got back <laughs> yeah. We got back. Yeah. Just, just, just before they started canceling all these flights so exactly <clears throat> like back in back in hawaii i know that you you were taken from the small hospital um yeah. near where your accident was and you were t- taken to a bigger hospital on a different different island right yeah that's right that they and, have a major the, the, their neurosurgery center or the icu is in Oahu. So they okay. took me there for that. Yeah. So, so Araman had mentioned that like, as that day progressed, um, you sort of started to have more issues. Um, mm-hmm. and you started really having trouble breathing, which like you mentioned, you ended up having to be trached, um, yeah. and you needed to go in for surgery and they didn't yeah. know what that was going to look like for you. And, um, you had to have that call with your kids mm-hmm. where they said, you need to call your kids, which when doctors say you need to call your kids, that's, you know what that means. Oh Yeah. And what was that call like for you? You know, it was just, it was, it was, I, you know, I have to say, it was obviously sad, right? To be able to call them. And I didn't know what things were going to look like. And my biggest thing at that time was, man, you just feel like there's so much that you haven't done yet, right? I felt yeah. like I, I wish I had told them that I loved them so much. I wish I could be there for them. I, I feel like I don't want this event to ruin their lives or their perception of yeah. things. And I didn't want them to grow up without a father. Right. So yeah. Yeah. yeah that far was really hard. It was, and I knew how serious it was too. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, it just, um, I just tried to get out as much as I could to, to say what I could to them. And yeah. then 
I was hoping all in my head, I was thinking that I hope I get a chance to have our next conversation because right? yeah. I didn't know when that would happen mm. or if that would happen. Yeah. And yeah. so that's all I was hoping for at that time. Like if I can just get through this, hopefully I'll get a chance to see them again. Yeah. Yeah. How long was the process for you and what was the process like for you to get to a place where you could stop thinking I ruined their lives? I would say, you know, I was in hospital for a total about six months Mm -hmm. and I would say, and I had, I spoke with a couple people that, um, really helped me in terms of like the mental health side of things and accepting what had happened. And, um, I would say, but it wasn't even then it wasn't probably, I'd say at least a year after the injury that I finally was like, you know, I felt like I could forgive myself and I felt like I haven't ruined everything for them and that feeling i guess didn't break me down anymore mm-hmm. so it, it took yeah. it took a long time because i always felt like i was like that it was my fault for letting it happen I, you know i always think mm-hmm. of myself as a pretty cautious person yeah. and you know i don't um uh I, or you know it's funny when i said this but i'm i'm pretty good about seeing uh, what things could go wrong in a situation. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. and, and, you know, I t- t- took care of enough trauma mm-hmm. to be like, I never wanted my goal. I was, this is as a resident, we joke around that your goal is never to end up in the trauma bay. Right. Yeah. And so when it, it's like, people are like, Oh, I'm going, you know, bungee jumping or skydiving. I was like, yeah. Nope, not that like is this. definitely not for me. I wasn't interested in any of that. I, I, you know, even to the point where I was, um, I'd slowed down playing sports and stuff. Cause I just didn't want to have injuries and things like that. I, I was, you know, I did, that wasn't the type of person I was. And so, um, when I got hurt, I really felt that it was my fault that, you know, I should know better. And looking back at it, you know, I just never thought of it as a, uh, like a a dangerous activity. Right. And apparently it happens way more often than I knew about. Really? And yeah, apparently like, because I still would have said just now, like, boogie boarding in shallow water and not rough, not rough waves, really. Like I wouldn't have thought yeah. that was terribly dangerous I, either. No. And you know, we had a friend of ours, father who passed away of it, same, <sighs> similar, not uh, only about a year, a year and a half ago, I think it was. And so, and when I looked into it more, there's actually lots of injuries. And part of it is even if people are on a boogie board or body surfing, sometimes the wave can just push you and at the angle, it pushes your head down. It's really shallow. And so C-spine injuries, it's not an uncommon cause to be related to water uh, events like that. And so mm-hmm. if I had known all of that, I wouldn't have boogie boarded. I just, like, you know, I, uh, yeah. that's a pull. I just thought of it as like a very, like, you know, it's just something you do. And it's really yeah, it's fun. You know, yeah, it's fun. It's not much of, not like you're going very fast. Right? No, but you I, probably I, thought it was one of the safer water activities you could yeah, do. I was like, oh, like, you know, I'd be way more stressed if I was like surfing some yeah. big waves out there. Right. So totally. Yeah. yeah. So that, that that part of it, it just took me a long time to forgive myself. And, you know, I, I actually remember it pretty well that I remember sitting one day at home feeling like, look, I have to be able to do that. Like mm-hmm. it's, it almost felt like it needed to be a moment for me where I truly like, almost like how you forgive someone else for something yeah. that they've severely wronged you for. It almost felt like that. I had to forgive that person and I had to forgive and let them go in a sense too. Right. Yeah. I really, it really felt like how you how you'd grieve for someone like I and mm-hmm. it, it still comes up sometimes with Roman uh gets upset with me about something or anything and I'm like 
that's a different person that doesn't exist anymore. Right. Like yeah. everything I, my, my experience, everything I was doing, um, it's just so different now. And my perception is so different. And I like to say it was, it's just age related, but I think it, it really is like, I don't feel like that person in a sense exists anymore. And the, to forgive them was really important because he made a, he just made a mistake, right? He didn't yeah. mean to, it's just an accident. And so I, I, I had to, I had to do that to move forward and took, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I'd say it took maybe a lot longer than now looking back at it than mm-hmm. it probably should have, but it mm-hmm. did take me, it took me a while. Yeah. And hard because I'm sure that's something that Raman really wanted to help you with and wanted to tell you like, no, don't do that. But that's work you have to do on your own. Right. You do. You, you, you know, Raman has been a great sounding board that I can talk to. And she's always yeah. been, that's one we communicate really well. And we, um, we joke around, you know, it's love and yeah. laughter, right? And that's, yeah. that's kind of, that way we looked at it, um, even though she says I'm not that funny, but these are. <laughs> she also just, said you weren't very talkative. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, that's also very true, too. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it, she really helped me in a lot of ways. And yeah. then I had diff- a couple um, therapists that were great to chat with. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them, actually, his name is Mark Ross. He's a, a psychologist in the city. He, he has gone through an experience himself, and he was a wonderful sounding board. And, you know, I, I share the one thing that they kind of talked to me about was that, and perception, I guess, really helps was, you know, I thought of it, he's like, you know, think of yourself as being part of a team, right? Mm-hmm. And hockey, basketball, whatever it is. And you're one of the main players on it, right? You're, that's your role. You do that, you do it well. And that's kind of the way I used to think of myself as part of our family or team. Like, that was my job, right? To do that. And with my injury now, I've realized that I'm still part of a great team. Like, yeah. it's wonderful. The only difference is I'm just sitting on the bench watching all the time now. So it's, it's, it's not that my team has changed, but the same people aren't around me. It's my role is different. Yeah. And so, and for anyone that's gone from playing a lot to being on the bench, <laughs> it, it's sometimes yes. a tough pill to swallow. They have stripped uh, your captaincy. <laughs> yeah. 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 It is. It is gone. And so, uh, uh, as soon as they can run up the stairs from you, you can't be. That's it. Anymore. You lose. <laughs> Um, and so that, that perception, uh, or those, like they helped me get to the point where I could understand that. And that helped a lot. Right. Yeah. It, it really made me feel like, look, I haven't lost everything. I've just, it's just not that person anymore. Right. And so mm-hmm. that really, that really helped me gain that perspective. Yeah. I think for somebody who's a natural born leader and a natural born doer, that one of the hardest things about an injury like this for Chris, like with, with his, the things that his disease has taken from him is this notion of surrender and that you don't get, you don't get a choice in it and you have to kind of come to terms with it. Right. It is true. But, and, but I think anyone that goes through serious illness, serious injury, it's, it is, a you know, sometimes I think we, our own thoughts about our immortality, right? We almost mm-hmm. think like it can't happen to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so accepting how random sometimes these things are or accepting how out of control they are, mm-hmm. it does that, it doesn't totally make it better, but it helps you kind of come to terms with it, right? And say it takes time mm-hmm. as a family, as a person mm-hmm. um, to get there. Did you struggle a lot with the what ifs? I know Raman had mentioned things like, you guys were walking out that day and she stopped you because she saw your bag didn't have water. And what if she hadn't stopped you to put water in the bag? Or what if she had convinced you to go to the pool with the girls rather than the beach with Akash? Like did the, what ifs, did it take you a long time to be able to stop the, what ifs as well? 
Yeah, you know, in the in the beginning, I would say definitely say while I was in the hospital, the, we talked about the what ifs a lot, and we talked about um, like just our sadness and yeah. um, how could we could we have changed things, right? But I think in reality, as much as we think that we can, um, like of course, if I didn't go to the beach, I wouldn't have got hurt. It totally makes sense. That's yeah, that's logic. Right? But mm-hmm. that's logic. But it it's not like neither one of us knew that was coming. There's mm-hmm. no way we could have changed that decision. It's not like the movies, right? You just don't rewind no. and make a new decision. So that it took a while for us to get over that part. And you know, we started to kind of um, give ourselves that if we need to talk about the what ifs or something that's bothering us, we'd give ourselves that time. Take 10, 15 minutes. Let's talk about it. Let's cry, let it out. And mm-hmm. then let's move forward and let's yeah. keep on going. Let's get this thing done. Right. Kind of thing or get mm-hmm. this day moving forward. And yeah. so that really helps. So we did that quite regularly, right. Where we take that time to let ourselves be sad, to let it out. And Ramana was quite stoic. I must admit when I was in hospital, she um, did a really good job of trying to support me and my parents and Raman's parents and our siblings um, and our really close friends. Um, all were like that right mm-hmm. but and then finally when i left hospital and i had a little time when i felt better then everyone would else would then cry around me afterwards <laughs> and so and after i felt like i had gotten that out of my system then they felt like that was helpful for them to get out of their system and now we're all in a good place yeah it was like probably they needed to make sure you were going to be okay before they could let it out right kind of a thing around yeah, you think, anyway yeah i think they felt that um I, yeah i think they they didn't want to it was such, you know, it's such a significant change. I felt, I think they felt like they needed to be strong and like mm-hmm. supportive for me and they just couldn't do that. So I, I do, I'm happy at this time that they can feel open and yeah. say what they say. And now I must say we're four years out. I, I'm just hanging out with a few of my friends that, you know, we've been best friends since grade seven together. Mm-hmm. And now sometimes we can joke about things and yeah. I, I laugh at it. They laugh at it. And it's oh, yeah. not, um, it it's not you know just like we're just having our same banter that we used to and it feels no different than it was before yeah yeah that's nice that's a nice feeling when you have people that you know you can just do that with people who aren't sort of who are real enough with you I, I sometimes feel that way like if I make a joke about I mean Chris can't make any facial expressions and so he was joking about how he coaches Cohen's hockey team and how they always think he must be really grouchy because he can't <laughs> smile <laughs> and I made a joke about it and some of the moms at the table were kind of like oh no and I was like no it's funny he can't smile he does look grouchy <laughs> yeah, it's yeah Raman, Raman usually said it's the one where she said to me recently she said you have to put your put put down with the kids I'm like not literally though, just figuratively, right? And so she was, we kind of caught ourselves and things like that. It's true, right? You, you, yeah. I, if you kind of, you have to be able to joke and laugh about these things, especially yeah. this far out. Yeah. Were you a believer in therapy before your accident? Um, like, what do you mean? What do you mean by therapy? Like, like, in general? like seeing, yeah, seeing therapists. Like, were you somebody? Maybe you didn't have a reason to do it before, but you were somebody who was a believer in it before, or. To be honest, from my the medical side, I think I think mental health is so important, yes. right? I, I talked to so many people and patients in the past about quality of life, and I mm-hmm. put mental health at the top of it. I mean, you can your the way you approach things or handle mm-hmm. stresses and and cope with things like that's that's what defines us as people, right? And mm-hmm. so I I'd all even though I hadn't um, actively seen a therapist before that, mm-hmm. mostly because I had Raman to talk to and my. <laughs> really close friends to talk to and 
we would con you know in, in medicine and surgery especially one thing we really do is we try to um uh what do you call it what's the right word for it um uh like after something significant happens we discuss yeah. it yeah we yeah let it out we let it out right mm -hmm. we go through the details we hash it out really well yeah and um and it, it's amazing how helpful that is for mm -hmm. everyone that's involved in a significant event if it's something like something serious happened in the operating room or in the icu or something yeah. and um it's helpful for the whole team to mm -hmm. to go through that whole process. I'm, not, I'm totally blanked on the word what it was, but no, the therapy word would be like unpacking it. But I don't know. Yeah, yeah. exactly. No, <laughs> that's right. Like unpacking it. So I've I've always thought that that is a really important part. And I speaking to someone uh, who can give you an objective view on things. Oh, yeah. I'm told I've always been a big supporter of that. But it wasn't something that I actively mm -hmm. needed just because I've had Raman and I've had other really close friends that have done that for me. Yeah. Right. I've been able to uh go back and forth with my mm -hmm. brother as well and um so when when this injury happened um one of the uh people that helped me initially was organized by one of my one of my closest friends um it was it was a really it was really helpful to be able to yeah. talk to someone who wasn't crying or wasn't trying to yeah. hold back tears mm -hmm. and who wasn't so emotionally tied to it right and so they could give me some obje objective viewpoints and things yeah. and 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 we talk about getting tools from them that helped yeah. you know that whole concept of separating the event from the emotion that was really hard that concept to me i never even thought about it but it it makes it so different how i'm able to talk about things now mm -hmm. and at that time where i couldn't stop breaking down and you know i'd and i had this overwhelming sense of gratitude to these people who had taken all this time out of their lives to help me like some of my best friends and my brother and them flew to Hawaii right mm -hmm. after my injury to be there to stay there and supported me like like you know just in the middle of their lives they just took off and did that to do that mm -hmm. for me right and I just and and they were at the hospital they supported the family I just had this huge sense of gratitude towards them and I always felt like it was almost a not a burden but mm -hmm. a weight because I was like how am I ever going to pay these people back for all they're doing for me, done for me, my family. Like I, I just, I, it was almost, it was wonderful what they did, but at the same time, I felt such weight yeah. to figure out how can I, uh, how, how can I do that? And so, and actually it's interesting now that I look at it, every time I get a chance that I can do something, I try to, right. Cause yeah. I, I just don't know how you say thank you to someone, these people that have done so much for you and been so involved in your life and in a, in a time where, you know, you, some people wouldn't step up, they really stepped up, yeah. right? And way more than you could have ever hoped they would, right? Yeah, so yeah. That was, yeah, that was, that was really huge to them. And I would, you know, this is where thank you doesn't seem like it's enough, yeah. right? How did you ultimately, like, how have you kind of found a balance with dealing with that weight of sort of the weight of gratitude, hey? Yeah, it's, it's an amazing how I never thought that would be the great, the weight that I yeah. would have to carry for that. You know what I what I what's really helped is it's one being able to say thank you, but two, whenever we get a chance to do small things to say like not that aren't to say thank you, but to yeah. do something kind or something like that, mm -hmm. we really try to. Me and Robin really try to make it a point that we try to go a little bit above beyond if we as we can, mm -hmm. because you know um, it was there's just no way to pay it back, right? Yeah, and so yeah. that's that's what we try to do and. You know, and that's where like the working with a therapist and on the mental health side of things is so key, right? To be able to open and talk to about that 
talk mm-hmm. about this weight that I'm feeling, talk about even to talk about how like that I didn't ruin the kids' lives. Like that was such a big conversation we had so many times because I I you know, I was in the hospital. I constantly felt you know, when I spent time with them, the kids were so happy. It was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> they like hop into my bed. We'd like, you know, yeah. they cuddled and it was so sweet, but mm-hmm. I couldn't in the back of my mind, I'm like, man, I can't believe I ruined this for them. Mm-hmm. Like their kids, they don't, they shouldn't be having to yeah. come to the hospital every day to hang out with their dad. Who's sitting here. Right. Like mm-hmm. I just, that feeling took a long time. And, and I think without, if I wasn't able to talk to someone about that and someone mm-hmm. wasn't able to help me give me some tools to do that. Um, I don't think I would be in the place that I am right yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I truly believe that um, like uh, the like healthcare professionals or mental health professionals, like you, they bring that expertise, right. Mm-hmm. And you, I wanted to soak up an, as much of it as I could, because I needed it. Yeah. Right. I, I needed a lot of work. I was my, think of myself like as it's a car, I was really broken. Yeah. And I, yeah. I, I needed, I needed a lot of stuff to be put back yeah. together. And, that was such a key component because, mm-hmm. you know, one of my mentors said to me, uh, Ian Rigby, he said, even though the injury is all physical, um, 90% of the recovery is all mental. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. And totally. It's so true. Did you have any um, conversations with the kids that you remember that sort of helped you in that way? Like, I know my kids talk a lot to Chris about, we talk a lot about ALS and dad and and what's going on. And and, you know, we, uh, and they're pretty honest and open about how, you know, they're sorry that dad can't eat dinner with us as Chris is a feeding tube. And so sometimes we'll be eating a food that he really likes and they'll be like, so and Cohen likes to say, dad, I'll eat enough for you. You know, he's Aww. getting bigger now or whatever, but, but yeah, they say little things, right. That make you think, uh, they're okay. You know, did you have those, any of those things with yours? Yeah. You know, there, so there's a couple of things. One was, um, one of the things one of the therapists told me to do was um, to write them a letter to mm. express how I feel about them, that I love them, that I'm proud of them. And he's like, make it detailed for each kid and focus on it. And that's something that they can have when they feel like that they may not be as connected to that or, or feel like they need it. Mm-hmm. And that was really helpful. That was actually super cathartic for me to do. Mm. And it was wonderful to see them open it and do that like that that was a really great way for me to be able to express that emotion and be able to share that with them so that part was mm-hmm. really good the on the on the side for them i think what's really helped is when the last actually when i got from from hospital and we settled is when um the kids um started playing sports again mm-hmm. a little bit and that you know because that that was one thing i wanted for them to be able to have that experience and then when I got to go watch them play and afterwards they'd be like dad did you see that did you see this thing did you see this and I was like yeah I did that was awesome and I was like look here I am I'm part of it I'm watching them yeah you know regardless of how able-bodied I was or not I'd still be sitting somewhere watching them yes and I was like yeah I I am here I'm part of this part and Mm -hmm. then you know we started having more after my entry we'd have before we'd have dinner together once in a while because I was so busy now we started having meals together and they would just have regular banter and as if there was nothing to do with my injury, just telling me about what's happening and school stuff and this stuff that really helped as well. It just, I just, it slowly became, they just kind of normalized life. Like, Mm -hmm. and, 
And now <laughs> every once in a while, like I said, when my youngest gets up and runs up the stairs, <laughs> it makes me laugh a little bit now. Yeah. I'm like, wow, mm-hmm. she's really smart. You know, yeah. really want to, you know, she knows how to, to get away. <laughs> yeah. You want to push your dad's buttons. That's the best way to do it. Yeah, exactly. That's funny. Yeah. No, I think, and Remen mentioned that a lot when we were talking to that notion of, of how much more present your injury has actually made you to the family. Right. And I, I wondered your, your thoughts on that. And, and obviously I'm not big on like, Oh, silver linings, blah, blah, blah. We would love it. If you mm-hmm. could walk and <laughs> do surgery, that's the ideal. But is that something, a takeaway for you from this is that you have actually spent more time with them than you probably ever would have if you had never been hurt. Yeah. That that's that you're fully right. That's like such a double-edged sword, right? Like yes. Like, yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. It's like, I know everyone always says that, like, if, you know, you got to look at this side and the bright side. I'm like, I wasn't like, it wasn't like I was a person who didn't look at the bright side before. Right? No. Like, and it's not like you weren't was, a good present dad before. No. Yeah. I was. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I actually loved spending time with Yes. The you were and, a great dad. You've uh, been a great dad yeah. always. Yeah. And so you're, you're totally right. The, it, I do feel like I'm more around hundred percent because mm-hmm. there's no, I am, I'm just right here, right? Like I'm <laughs> literally planted in the living room and uh, you come anywhere. by here, you, you're going to be, yeah, I'm going <laughs> to hang out with you. We're going to talk. And um, so yeah, I'm definitely around more. And I think, I think it's, I think, I hope they do appreciate it, but they were pretty young, right? Like they're normal changes so quickly mm-hmm. and they, and they're so resilient as kids. Right. And so I feel like they're, this is just what they expect now, right? They, yeah. It's not any different. No, this the, is their normal. I, I think, yeah. I think the hardest problem me being present probably was for Ruman. I think, mm-hmm. right. I don't know if Ruman said being present was a good thing or a bad thing. Good. Because she really I'll likes get, you. Oh, she really oh, likes you. <laughs> oh, that, that's, that's awesome. That's really good. Cause, cause I, I feel like sometimes me being present, one of the challenges is, you know, before I had a, a good outlet for all the, uh, like the detail and things I care about, like in surgery, one of the wonderful things is that you're meticulous. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's all about the details. And, uh, I really enjoyed that part that really fit my personality really mm-hmm. well. And, and then now that I'm not operating anymore, I found that I needed a better outlet for that. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning, I thought that might be to point at a few things around the house and things like that. And then I quickly learned that that is not the no. right outlet no. for that at all. <laughs> and, 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 and about there's providing advice on efficiency or optimizing things at home, not, no. not the way to go. No. So now I, I, I use that. I try to, now that I'm back to work, I try to do that there. That's a really good place and outlet mm-hmm. for it. And I do it with the kids when I'm talking to them about like school things or life things or sports or things like that. So I being present is great, but now I, I find like I've used, I'm careful not to be um, like a pain in the ass. Yeah. Right? Pointing out that maybe you should empty the dishwasher. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Not the, not the I, best. I, 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 yeah. I, I do not look in that direction at all no. and, and get involved in that part. At all. <laughs> oh, but, I, yeah. but I, but, but at the same time, when I, to get the kids to, you know, clean after themselves or do something, that's a good outlet for that. So I, I, I'm, I figured out where I can put that energy to yes. use. Cause anywhere, you but know, your wife. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just funny how like things like that. Um, but one thing I must admit that I, I do enjoy is that, um, and makes me feel much better now, you know, it's almost four years since the injury, seeing the, them grow and the personalities develop. Yeah. And our banter with each kid, I, I really enjoy that part. Mm-hmm. It's really fun to see that. I, I always hoped that it, I would have um, 
a good rapport with them. Yeah. And knock knock on wood, so far it's been I've really enjoyed it so far. Yeah, yeah, it's it's great to see their personalities develop and have conversations mm-hmm. with them and be able to have like little clever things that they get and all of that, right? As they get yeah. a bit bigger, yeah. So a fear that I have in my marriage um, is kind of sliding too far away from my role as a wife into my role as a caregiver. And I know that you guys have a lot of care um, coming into the house and helping and everything, but that Raman is still, um, that is a job that Raman has is, is to help you. She had this great way of saying it, that she has, she looks at it as like, she has a relationship, like there's, there's you, there's her, and then there's the injury and it's both of yours, which is a really Mm -hmm. beautiful way to look at it. I think. Um, I wonder how you would say that you guys have navigated, you know, making sure you aren't slipping too far into that. Yeah. You know, you guys probably have a really good understanding of it as well. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I think when families where there isn't someone with an injury or an illness, sometimes that part's hard to grasp, right? Because you, 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 you're any marriage can be Mm -hmm. challenging and can slip into many different ways as we know. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I kind of knew early on, I'm like, I, wanted to make sure that there was a, not a wall, but there is a separation of, mm-hmm. of me as the person and then the injury and what that requires for me to survive in a mm-hmm. sense or to live. Right. And so I, I really wanted to make it a point early on that I was really tried hard to separate my care or the help I need um, from Roman. And I, I, I'm not, it's not perfect where I can have it to the point where I'd like to, and I hope mm-hmm. one day we will get there. Right. But mm-hmm. we've been, we've, I've been, um, how do I say this properly? It is, you know, it, it's a really hard thing to accept that you're not completely independent. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to accept from going from a place where you were so independent to mm-hmm. where I am now yeah. that, um, that, 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 that's a hard thing to accept. And it, it still catches me sometimes. And so I wanted to separate that. I, I want, I want, but I've always wanted for Roman is to be happy, to be involved in our kids, to be us to have continue that great relationship that we've had. And mm-hmm. so uh, I've really tried to put um, boundaries around where my care is and things like that. Mm-hmm. And so she's not as involved um, and hopefully one day very minimally involved in that part, yeah. because I find that it's, you know, is these things, it's such a slippery slope. Yeah. Right? Don't you, I don't know if you guys find it that way. Totally. That like you want to, you want to help your family. You want to help someone you love. You want to do that. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but at the same time, you just, I don't want to lose what we have. And yeah. so I've, I've tried to really, and so Raman sometimes say to me, you don't have to worry about that. It's not, it's not a big deal. I, I'm happy to help you out. And I'm like, I know you are, but I, I, if it's, I want to make that the exception rather than the rule in a yeah. sense. Right. Yeah. And, so I I I I do my best to do that part, but it's still a tricky thing to navigate. And yeah. as you can understand as well, sometimes those things change, like what yeah. the amount of help you need and things like that. So we're constantly, I would say, um, reevaluating that. And yeah, I, I do that, and it's it's just such a yeah. I, I'm still I'm still adjusting to the fact that you know that I'm just not I, I, despite all I've done to try yeah. to get stronger, get better and things like that. You know, there's a certain limitations to any yes. injury or illness that exists that For despite sure. me uh, trying to bulldoze it down, I cannot. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I think, you know, and Roman and I were talking about this, there's also just an element for, for her. And, and, and it's the same for me where like, this was sort of the, the life that we had already stepped into this life of taking care of our family. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't, yeah, it does. It can be tiring. And I am still annoyed that Chris has not been able to tie his shoes for almost three years and he won't buy slip-ons. So I tie his <laughs> shoes every day. So that still annoys me, <laughs> but you do just sort of feel like you're a caregiver, you know, it's a natural thing for, for me. And I think it's the same for her to like, want to take care. And it can be hard too, in the sense that like, that's my instinct. And sometimes I have to work against my instinct because I need to stop doing some things because I'm going to burn myself out. Right. Yeah. And you know, that's, uh, that's one thing. That's where I think you're totally right about um, taking care of your mental health and working Mm -hmm. with therapy. I'm a, I truly believe that um, if we're fortunate enough, to be able to access resources like that, that can help us. Um, I really think it's important for us to do that because you you can you burn out in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So many professionally, personally, there's so many of these things and we are naturally taught to don't worry about ourselves, just keep going forward. And now that I've gone through this injury, I, I just think it is being so important to take the time yeah. to, to you know work on your mental health, to give yourself that time to recover, so you don't get burnt out, like mm-hmm. to, you know, and sometimes I do catch, you know, Raman goes hard, right? Like she's, yeah, like, yeah she's helped me. She's busy with the kids. Mm-hmm. She's doing all these other things. Like she's like, she, yeah, like just the amount of hours she puts in a day is so much. So I do try to tell her almost now to be like, which she, she used to tell me, <laughs> so you got to take some time and slow down yeah. a little bit, right? Focus on your mental health, focus on your well being, because we, we don't, we don't need you just for a few months or a couple yeah. of years. We need you for a long time down the road. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, yeah, it, it's so important to take that time, especially when you're, um, in that, in a role, right. Where mm-hmm. you're taking care of helping him, you're helping the kids and, and mm-hmm. making sure everything else you're literally like the, you know, I felt like we were the pillars of our family, like mm-hmm. holding it together. And now yeah. it's her, yeah. right. Like I'm not holding anything up. And so <laughs> she is the one, right. And we, I, I always thought I'm like, we have, we want you to be um, healthy from mentally, physically, and emotionally. Yeah. You need all three to be happy long-term. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I know we, we talked a little bit about how your injury has obviously changed the way you physically parent your kids. No, no more chasing our own up the stairs. <laughs> she knows how to get oh. away from you, but, no. and you, and you can't maybe, you know, play pick up ball with, with the kids the way that I know you want to, I know you played you basketball at the UFC, right? So that's your game. Mm-hmm. And you'd love to do those things with them. But aside of, from how this has changed the way you physically parent, how do you think it has changed the way you parent in other ways? Oh, that's, yeah, that's a good question. You know, I'll, I'll tell you one funny story and then I'll tell you my thoughts. Okay. The basketball, I, I, you know, that playing and stuff like that. I, I, I do miss that part. I would have mm-hmm. loved to play with the kids and, um, to, and that's more, I think it's all dads. You kind of feel like yes. I'm way better than the kids. I'm going <laughs> to do this. And, you know, by the time they're 14 or 16, they're probably going to be better than us anyways, right? Yes. It's, it's a younger, you know, more energetic generation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, but then when it comes to like my kid, the couple of kids that are playing hockey, I don't think that would have been an issue at all. Cause I remember <laughs> before my injury, going to skate with the younger two and they were upset with me because they're like, dad, why are you going so slow? <laughs> like let's let's play and I was like no no 
I'm going full speed. Yeah. You guys are just getting faster. Yeah. So it's, I'm like, you guys have the wrong perception here. That's not, this is as fast as I can go. And so I don't think in certain parts it would have changed anything because I would have yes. been terrible at that. Yeah. Um, but, but you are right though. I, I have to figure out ways now to connect with them and do stuff with them that I couldn't do before. So I can't just go outside and throw the ball around or, um, you know, teach them how to throw a football in this kind of way. So, um, now a lot, I do have to take more time to conversate with them, to discuss things with them, to engage with them over other things. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that part is more challenging because you, you know, sometimes you could just like, you know, we used to do Legos together. I could help them and adjust them. Now I'm watching them and it's harder to give advice or harder to help them. Mm -hmm. And um, so it, not being able to do things physically makes it so it just makes parenting harder but you just have to be way more patient yeah which you know i it's yeah patience is a tough thing it is like, it is it, hard. It, it, it's really hard and especially when you see that you could get things done in a such more quicker way yeah. and like like i said you were saying like the kids are doing something i'm like hey you know your shot your elbow should be in a little bit more follow through <laughs> a little higher that's to get them to do that now takes twice as long and right? just showing them and yeah then just showing them so or then I have to pull up a video on YouTube to be like, mm -hmm. hey, watch this. This is see how this is done. Now does it make sense? Stuff like that. Like everything takes that much more work yeah. to get done. Right. Mm -hmm. Or even, you know, they were doing math recently and they were like asking me about something. And I was like, oh, you think about it this way. And I can't just pull up a pen and just or pencil and write it down and be like, let's see how this all breaks down. Now does it make sense? Instead, I'm like, you write it and I'll watch yeah. you write it very slowly. Yes. And eventually we'll be able to get to the point where we can yeah. show you what you did wrong and what you got to fix. Right. So that's probably it, it, actually how you're supposed to do it, though. <laughs> I, I think so. I, no, no, I, I totally agree. It is probably the better way. Yes. Man, is it takes so much longer. Oh, yeah. So long. That's so true. Yeah. yeah. I, and, you know, recently, I, you know, one thing's been great, like the kids, um, you know, when they go in the summertime now, when they go bike riding and stuff before I can do that. Now I got I got a Baytech which is just like a little motor electric thing that attaches to the top part of my wheelchair. So I can go out with the kids. Right. Oh. So it, it lets me do something like that, which, um, no, you know, I couldn't do before. So that's, I think using the tools or technology around mm -hmm. you is really helpful. And so I've now become quite the, um, uh, I don't like, I don't know if the investigator researcher, maybe yeah. to try to find different tools or yeah. technologies that can help me do more with them mm -hmm. than I could before. And it's, you know, there's obviously a lot of room for things to grow and things to develop to be where there would be an ideal place, right? Yeah. We're not there, but little things like that, uh, like it made Disney possible, mm -hmm. that's like a bike ride possible. So when I, when I can, as a parent, I do try to do that, try to find a tool that can yeah. work well, right? Mm -hmm. Or, and, and some of it is that like, just cause I can't use a computer very well anymore. I, I try, you know, do a lot of stuff on my phone. If I need to show them something, I'm like, come on over. Let me show you on my phone on this mm -hmm. website or whatever. So yeah. I try to use technology to help me be able to engage them more. Yeah. And that's only going to get better, right? As the That's the exciting thing about it. Those things are getting better all the time. Yeah. yeah. I hope so too. I, don't think, yes. I wonder, you know, if I had my injury like 30 years ago, how different oh. it would have been in trying to get things done to communicate, yeah. to work, any of it would have been no, really, really difficult. Really hard. Yeah. I think a lot about the fact that I grew up with, you know, a normal family. My mom and dad were healthy. Same for you. And then I think about how that is not the story for my kids. 
Mm-hmm. And I think a lot about how that, what that looks like for them long-term. Mm-hmm. And I don't really know, I guess, you know, I think about the things that they will have to talk about a therapy when they're older and things like that. But I wonder if that's a, something that you've spent time thinking about, you know, how having, um, how your injury and, and how it has altered the course of your family, how that will shape their story as they grow up. Yeah. You know, I thought about it a lot in the beginning as well. Right. I was like, are they going to, is this going to be okay for them? How are they going to, um, deal with this is this going to be traumatizing for them right yeah. I, those you just don't know mm-hmm. and and i have to admit even now we don't really know in that sense um but what i what i do find though is that i'm hopeful that this makes them more empathetic yeah. to be better people um and to value time maybe more above other mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. where you know we really we talk a lot about in the family about quality time rather than quantity of time and trying to really try to m- make these times and moments be important right mm-hmm. so um so I, I hope that that part helps them uh, it's really you know it's so hard as a parent because you don't know like no. even parent parenting as an able body or parenting mm-hmm. in a wheelchair or anything you don't actually you know it, there's so many confounding things that can happen along the way yeah. you don't know what it's going to look like and but I, I i used to i was really worried about it before when i was early on after my injury and the more i've talked to them about it and I think you guys have done that too, enga- being honest with them, yeah. engaging them with, into it. I think that's, I think that's really helped. I hope yes. that then they'll they have a better understanding. They feel like they're part of it. Mm-hmm. So they're helping mm-hmm. in a sense then. Uh, and, uh, and I really do hope this makes them way more empathetic, that oh, they yeah. want to be kind to the people around them to be understanding of that. Right. I, yeah. I, I, that that's one thing I do hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a, another one of those sort of double-edged sword things where you're like, this is horrible. And I wish my kids have never had to go through anything like this. And the reality is it's probably going to make them better people. I, I hope so. You know, it, it, there's, it's just, you can't sugarcoat it. I find that's no. one of the things, right? Like it, there's no way to tell them that this is, this is better that it happened this way. That's not true. No. You, and you can't tell them like, this is what's, this is what's meant to be. No, that's not yeah, true. That's, no. I mean, like, tons of, tons of things are meant to be that it's not, and I'm no. not, I'm not a, a religious person to say, Oh, this is a grand plan. I don't like, I no, don't know do no. any of that, I, but I, and but I try to be really honest about that. Now this has happened. What do we do next? Yes. Don't worry about what's happened, mm-hmm. but what's the next step. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, we don't I, get I to decide what happens. We get to decide what we do with it. Yeah, that's a really, I like yeah. when people say that. I think that's a yeah. really good way to put it, right? And so I'm hopeful that this will actually help them be more resilient when they yes. get older as well, right? That mm-hmm. they don't, they don't take, think the, uh, something that happens and, and hopefully they can put it in perspective. Mm-hmm. I hope that yeah. that's not the end of the world. There's actually, you know, you'll be, there's a lot of, a, yeah. a lot of bigger things and important things to deal with that you'll be just fine. Mm-hmm. We were talking when Raman and I went for a walk the other day about um, a couple of months ago, I think it was Arwen had a hockey tournament. And you guys were trying to decide you'd never really done this, never really had an away situation. Right. And she was trying to decide what to do. You guys were trying to decide what to do. And you guys landed on, she'd take the girls and Akash would stay home with you. And we were just talking about the notion of like, how much do we let our kids help us and participate? Right. And I wondered, you know, what your feelings are on that. You know, initially I thought I was like, I I don't want the kids helping me. This is when I first came home. Yeah, I don't want to put this burden on them, right? Mm-hmm. It's too much. It's not fair as a kid that you're 
your job isn't to help care for your father. Their job yeah. is to help care for you, right? Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, that notion of it was really tough. But I, what I've realized, and you know, knock on wood, our, our kids are very helpful at this age mm-hmm. so far and very yeah. caring. That it's it's not a bad thing. Like they, I think they feel happy to do something for you that helps you, that makes you smile, yeah. um, and it, it gives them a sense of not just accomplishment, but just something, you know, like you get a good feeling from doing something kind. Right. Mm -hmm. And now that they can, when they can help me out with things, it's actually really, I I don't mind it at all. Like I I do, I do get them to help me when I have to type up or like a paper or something like that. Yeah. They they do. And they do a great job. They're way faster than Raman is. And it's, um, (laughs) it's been really helpful for that kind of stuff. Right. And so, if this gives them a better experience and to be, to do that and hopefully build some of that altruistic um, uh, traits, I, I don't think it's a bad thing. And no. uh, I'm, there's obviously certain parts that I don't want them to be involved in. That's understandable. Yes. But, um, but I do, um, I don't think of it as a bad experience anymore for no. them. I, yeah. I do feel like they, they can, you know, if we give them that expectation and give them an opportunity to step up, I think they can. Yeah. So, Absolutely. One thing that stuck out for me when I was, when I was talking to Raman was we were talking about your professional life. And she said that you have told her that you enjoy your job now 70% as much as you enjoyed surgery, which seemed like a pretty good number to me. And I wondered if it feels like a good number to you. You know what? I'm, I'm grateful to get a chance to go to work. Yeah. So that alone, because I, you know, when I first got injured, I honestly thought I'd never be able to get to work. Like, mm-hmm. not that I didn't want to, I just didn't think it would be possible. Yeah. Like, I didn't, I didn't know if there would be how I, how I would make that work. And then the second part was the, the area or the field that I work in. I've been so fortunate that the, the patients and the people um, are genuinely just so kind, right? A lot mm-hmm. of them, you know, and I talk to them, they'll be like, how are you doing? Yeah. And how are things? I'm like, you know, I, I really appreciate it. It's really, you know, really sweet of them. And I'm, but I'm like, but this is your time. Let's focus yeah. on you. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about me later. Um, yeah. So I, I really do enjoy that part of it and that you re- the relationship you build and, and, and to play a positive part in their lives. That half the reason I went into medicine was I really wanted to, uh, to be able to make a difference like that, to connect with people. And so mm-hmm. I'm really fortunate that I get to do that still. What I miss, and which is part of the reason I just haven't gone back into an operating room or anything, I I really miss being able to do something which was unique and made an almost, not instant change in someone's life, but a really quick change. And something where you feel like, you know, you work so hard to gain this expertise and then you can apply it and Mm -hmm. someone feels better, right? And in that field, that that was, it's a wonderful feeling. And, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, I'm very thankful for the time I got to do it, yeah. looking at it, but there's no way that I wouldn't miss that, that after, cause that was like, I was hoping that I'd get to do it till I was 80. Yeah. Like I was, I love doing it. Like a lot of people say, Oh man, I'm, I want to, I'm done. I'm, I don't want to operate anymore. Or it's, I'm getting too burnt out. I wasn't, I was nowhere near that part. Yeah. I was young early in my career and really energetic to do yeah. that. So nothing I do now, I would say would not that it wouldn't give me this satisfaction. It's just, just that was different. something I had worked towards. It's impossible yeah. to fill that gap. But I, mm-hmm. what I would say now is that, is that the, um, I, I am really happy to, 
that I work in a really good atmosphere. Mm -hmm. I work with a lot of really great people and the the patients are are wonderful. And Mm -hmm. uh, I'm really thankful that I I get to be part of this um, journey for them. And Mm -hmm. it really is, um, it really helps me feel like I have a sense of purpose. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm at at this time. Yeah. That's an important thing. Purpose kind of related to what you're talking about missing surgery. Um, so now Chris just has like the use of one hand, his left hand, he's right-handed. So that's unfortunate. (laughs) Um, and then, you know, he can't make, like I mentioned, he can't make facial expressions, can't smile, can't swallow, still has can like have coffee and eat a few things very minimally, but most of his calories come from his feeding tube. His voice has changed because his soft palate is atrophied. His lips have atrophied all of that. Um, and I have asked him sometimes, like, what do you miss the most? And I've thought about what I would, I would miss the most if I were him. And I'd probably miss eating quite a bit. Um, but he really just says what he misses the most is, you know, his being able to make facial expressions, to smile, um, and to communicate easily. Um, and I wonder, you know, I know you talked about sort of having to grieve that previous Richie, um, but I'm wondering what you, what you miss the most. Yeah, that's a good question. The there's so much you miss, right? Like I'm sure he can relate. Like it's, it's always hard to rank yeah. It's because with these, these illnesses and injuries, you lose so much and it yeah. happens so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, you know, what I, and maybe he might relate to this too, is that I miss being that physical person, yeah. meaning that I was, I've always felt like I was um, like strong physically that I could you know, if there was something to be done or something to be lifted or someone like one of the kids to carry, I could do that. Right. Like mm-hmm. I, I miss being that, not, I would say that, um, that person that could do everything physically around us on a day-to-day mm-hmm. basis, nothing like, I was, I don't miss like bed traps like this or anything like that, Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's being that when there was like something with our family, if we were like in an airport and we needed to, this luggage need to get something done or that, I could pick it up and move it around. If I, yeah. one of our, if Arwen was so tired that she needed to be lifted, she just, I just carry her and we carry her around the whole day. If mm-hmm. we need to be. I miss being that dominant physical person who could help yeah. right yeah. now when something comes up like that, um, I have to, I need help, right? I can't yeah. do that or I need someone else to do mm-hmm. it. Um, I think recently the, like, you know, something was under the couch. You know, I can't go get it. There's just no way I can't lift that couch out of the way and do yeah, that. Yeah. And the kids, the kids had to, you know, maneuver it and figure yeah, it out and get yeah. it. And uh, that, I would say that's one of the things I miss. I miss being that person you could just rely on to yeah. take care of it right mm-hmm. now. Now I don't get to be that person in my professional or personal life, right? Mm-hmm. Before, like even at work, like if something was happening in the operating room, something happened, I felt like you could be like, Hey, can you come help? Yes, I can. I'm here. Yeah. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. Or something at home. Um, we got to, we got to get out of here. We got to get them to practice. Can you take them and make sure all their stuff in the back? Yes, I can. Boom, gone. Yes. Now, I if you, I would slow. I slow everything down. It takes <laughs> so much longer to take me with you. Like I went to my son's game this weekend. That's a it's additional work, right? It's like yeah. to get me there, get me set up, organize it, um, and you know if something like and I obviously he, he, luckily the kids are pretty independent. I can't be the one to grab your bag and do stuff like yeah. that. I miss yeah. being able to be that person that I used to be, that 
now yeah. I don't get, I don't get to be anymore. It's, it's interesting. Cause you're talking about like the missing that, that physical side of you, but all the things that you're describing are helping people. You're talking about like helping yeah. your kids, helping your family, helping your patients, helping your other doctors, mm-hmm. the, the physical parts of helping. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I guess that's a good way to look at it. I haven't really thought about it that way, but I, yeah, I just miss being that person you could rely yes, on. Right. Totally. Yeah. See, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you, but what do you like most about this Richie? You know, one thing I, I will say, going through four years of this now yeah. and all the learning and growth that comes with that, mm-hmm. one thing I would say is I'm glad I'm a bit more of a patient person now. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was the most patient surgeon in the past, mm-hmm. which I don't know if that those two words go together, yeah. but I would say that um, I do like the fact that I can, um, things, so something's happening and, you know, normally I'd be like stressed about it or something like that. Now I'm okay to just wait. I'm like, we'll figure it out. We need a little bit more time. Like we're at the airport for multiple hours because, as you know, can imagine right now flying is hard. Yeah. And it didn't it didn't phase me at all. I'm like, it'll be okay. We'll just wait. So we got to get these things checked in. They got to put my you know, gate check my wheelchair. I'm like, it is what it is. We just got to wait. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And do it. So those things that I would have been like, we got to go, 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 go. Mm-hmm. Now I, it doesn't phase me. Like okay. I, you know, someone said to me recently, um, uh, you know, that was a long day today. Are you was it pretty stressful and things like that? I'm like, Nope, it wasn't stressful at all. Oh, Cause yeah. my, my, my baseline of stress is so different yeah. than it used to be where I don't, um, I'm not bothered by those things that may have bothered me in the past is cause I, they're just in a whole different context for mm-hmm. me now. Right. So yeah. I, I think that that's one thing that makes life a little bit less stressful it doesn't mean i do have to organize twice as much or plan yeah. twice as much mm-hmm. which which is okay because I, I was a planner before too mm-hmm. i'd like planning things and organizing mm-hmm. fun stuff that that i enjoy but yeah i'm not phased by those um uh, as the much as in the road things. yeah yeah i just accept that this is really this is going to happen now I, I am not in a position where i can just physically power through that so right. I, I have to, i have to wait mm-hmm. yeah so so after talking to Raman, it was clear that this episode coming out right around Valentine's Day is, um, is fitting, not, not because it's the anniversary of your injury, but because really like it's a bit of a love story, like Raman really loves you. You must be pretty great. <laughs> you know, I think more, less about me being great, just me being lucky. Like, oh. She's a, a wonderful person. Um, and I'm fortunate enough that at the end of the day, she picked me and I'm yeah. really, you know, as any couple goes through all the yes. ups and downs along the way, I'm fortunate that she's the type of person who's resilient. Who's, yeah. You know, even after an injury like this, a lot of people would fold, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like, you know, I think you guys can relate to it. Having someone that can step up and when, when life really throws you to the ground, it's, mm-hmm. you don't, you're really lucky to find something like that, right? It's not, not everyone does that. And we, we know that it's a lot of people aren't even that resilient when small things get to them, right? Mm-hmm. Let alone a major life changing yeah. event. So. I'm really fortunate to have someone like that. And, you know, we, we've known each other for a long, long time, yeah. like, um, even before we got married and things mm-hmm. like that. And um, uh, I'm just lucky that she's yeah. been with me and, and, and our, I don't think this life would be doable without her. Yeah. It just isn't, I don't think it's feasible. She talked a lot about what she's learned about herself during this and, um, and she talked a lot about what she's learned from you. And I wondered what you've learned from her. I think for me, it was 
it's really been about how you can, you know, Raman's always valued the people around her, right? Mm -hmm. She's valued the relationships. She's um, one of those, she's just a, such a genuine person, right? There's not really anything fake about her. Like she <laughs> really, she really leads things um, kind of with her heart, right? Like, and she, that's, you know, I, I, I must, maybe I was a little bit more immature or maybe just focused on what I want needed to, wanted to do. And I think that's partly because I was like, look, I got to get this done because yep. otherwise I'll, I'll never finish training and yeah. things like that. But she wasn't like that. She's always cared about the people around her to being involved in their lives, to um, kind of bettering things around her. And so mm -hmm. I've picked that up, I think a little bit um, over this time to kind of be like, look, you know, let's think about these, like about more, what we can do um, for the people around us that have done so much for us and kind of um, being uh, giving back in that sense yeah so yeah. i hope I, I feel like i've gotten a little bit better at it it's still it's still a journey like sure. you know i i look at it as four years into this process but it it's it that that's just still such a small amount of time right so yeah hopefully many well, more knock years to learn <laughs> i knock on wood i really hope so too yeah. i do i feel like um if we're fortunate enough to have that that would be pretty amazing yeah yeah so a central a central theme of this podcast is hope and I just wondered what makes you hopeful these days? You know, what it's been one of the best things it recently has been seeing the changes that are happening in the kids, right? Like they're developing into these young people with wonderful personalities that are uh, motivated and hardworking. And that keeps me pretty hopeful that I feel like we're doing okay. I mean, me and Rum are, are they're, that they're turning out okay, that I didn't ruin their lives. No. That 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 is really what gives me hope that those feelings that I had that took me a long time to move forward from, I'm really happy that, that I, at least I feel like that, you know, obviously there's so much ups and downs in parenting, but I at least feel like we're doing okay. And that, yeah. that makes me really happy. I, I, I don't, um, that was such a stress for me yeah. for so long after my injury that uh, I'm glad that I feel um, that uh, that they're doing okay. Not more yeah. than everything. Isn't that amazing? All the things that you want, the things that you maybe hoped for and these like, grand ideas you had for your life and and really what it comes down to when everything is stripped away, you just want your kids to be okay. Yeah, you want them to be okay. I want Raman to be happy. I want my family and my close friends around me to be okay and to be able to spend that time and share yeah. that with them, right? I, I look at our close friends and their kids and seeing how they're developed. And um, I'm just really happy to have this wonderful community around us, yeah. right? Like it makes it so, um, it makes it so great to be able to share your life like this with good people around you. Yeah. This has been just an absolute pleasure and I'm really grateful for you for doing it. Uh, thank you for asking me too. I'm all, you know, are we, I've been listening to your podcast and obviously oh. Roman tells me a lot. Mm. And I, I think, I, I think it's wonderful that you're doing this, right? Cause it's not something that's easy to talk about. And, you know, when I, if I didn't have those people to give me advice, to be my sounding boards, to give me that hope, I don't yeah. think we would have made it this far. Right. And so yeah. for people to be able to hear that genuinely and talk openly about it and um, how open you guys have been yeah. about your journey, it really helps a lot. Yeah. It helps a lot, honestly, for a man to do it too. So I appreciate you talking about it. So, I mean, women are a little bit more open in talking about their feelings. So I appreciate you being so open today. Yeah, no, I've, I've cried I'm in front of so many men now that 
I don't think <laughs> they're ever going to let me live that down, but that's okay. Good. Perfect. Perfect. All right. Well, I got to go get my kids and I'm sure yours are going to be home soon too. Okay, thank you so much. Chelsea. You have right. yourself a good day. Thanks for you too. I loved these two conversations with Raman and Richie. Hearing each of them talk about how they kept moving forward during the weeks and months after Richie's accident, listening to how they came to their own understanding of that Steve Gleason quote, it's not going to be easy, but it's going to be awesome, and feeling just how deeply genuine they both are was a gift for me, and I hope it was one for you as well. I was thinking about how Richie had to really work to forgive himself for his accident and to move beyond the notion that he ruined his family's life, and it reminded me of something from Dr. Edith Eager's book, The Choice. Dr. Eager is a Holocaust survivor who made it out of Auschwitz. Her parents did not. On surviving while her parents died, she wrote, How easily a life can become a litany of guilt and regret, a song that keeps echoing with the same chorus, with the inability to forgive ourselves. How easily the life we didn't live becomes the only life we prize. How easily we are seduced by the fantasy that we are in control, that we were ever in control that the things we could or should have done or said have the power, if only we had done or said them, to cure pain, to erase suffering, to vanish loss. How easily we cling to, worship, the choices we think we could or should have made. To Richie and Raman, thank you for showing us the power and the gift, the beauty and the joy that come from not clinging to the what-ifs in life, that come from letting go of what we thought life would be and embracing and appreciating it for all that it actually is the good, the bad, the hard, and the awesome. One last reminder that the most impactful way to support this podcast is by listening to it and sharing it with others. And of course, if you want another way to show your support, you can go to www.patreon.com slash Kelsey Snow, that's K-E-L-S-I-E-S-N-O-W, to become a member. Your contribution will help keep this work going, help keep it ad-free, help it grow, and give you access to the Sorry I'm Sad Patreon community. Thanks, as always for listening. Past is never